Hello and welcome to the Daddy Saturday podcast. I'm your host, Justin Batt. I'm also the founder and chief dad officer of Daddy Saturday with the mission of impacting 10 million fathers in the next 10 years to end the fatherlessness epidemic. We do that by helping dads be intentional, engaged with their kids, and really getting them active and helping their kids become good kids that become great adults. And this podcast is designed to bring fathers to the table who can provide you with expert tips and tricks and dad hacks and, and giants who we can stand on their shoulders and learn from as we all try to move forward together in this mission of fatherhood. Also want to remind you to subscribe to the podcast. Make sure you're listening in each week. We have tremendous guests coming for you every single week, week in and week out. The lineup is stacked and the two guests we have today are not going to disappoint. Also want you to subscribe to the rest of the Daddy Saturday universe, daddysaturday.com, the newsletter, get a copy of the book and get the new Alexa skill and get Daddy Saturday right at your fingertips. So without further ado, let me introduce our two guests today. I've got brothers on the show and uh, these brothers are both special to me they're two individuals that i've looked up to for a long time have had the chance to meet recently they've had a profound impact on my life and my role as a father and as a christian man and and just so excited to have them on the show i've got david and jason benham with me here today guys so honored to have you here on the show thanks for having us justin yeah we're love being here with you and love what you're doing man what an incredible mission Holy cow, that's a lot of dads that you're going to touch. <laughs> well, we're working at it. And, you know, guys, I just got to tell you, as I want to inform our audience here, I mean, David and Jason, you guys got to understand, they come from this sports background. They both were professional baseball players. They, they gave it all up. They married their, the women of their dreams. David married Lori. Jason married Tori. David has five kids. Jason has four kids. They are incredible Christian men. They're entrepreneurs. They've got so many businesses going, uh, too many to even mention on the show here. And they've gotten four books out, which I think is just an incredible feat. I've done one, and these guys have done four. And their most recent book, Bold and Broken, we'll talk about today. Uh, guys, you're just all over the place, and you've got so much going on and, and so much good work. Well, we're just thankful. You know, we, we say, and this is David speaking, uh, I'm the smarter one and better looking, but you can't see me. <laughs> but we say that, um, that for us to take credit for building a successful business or writing books or whatever would be like a shovel taking credit for digging a hole. We're just the tools that God chose to use to get the job done. So we're very thankful for that. But our dad, when we were kids, uh, would teach Jason and I the difference between a tool and a toy. And now you fast forward that today, you look at your iPhone or you look at your computer, or whatever, and you have to ask yourself as a dad, is this a tool or a toy? You know, and, 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 and am I using this primarily as a toy? And if so, I might want to make a few adjustments so I can train myself to be more intentional with the areas of my life that is going to make me a better dad. So anyway, all that to say, we are thankful God used us as shovels uh, to dig some ditches in the business world. I love that. And, you know, it's, it's interesting you say that because as, as we go back to the, the goal you referenced for 10 million fathers in the next 10 years, that's a, a God-sized goal. That's not a Justin-sized goal. I could never do that on my own. And one of the reasons why we established the why for the foundation and for Daddy Saturday at that level and capacity is because it isn't about me, right? I'm the same thing. I'm a, a real small shovel trying to dig this huge ditch of 10 million fathers. So tell me, guys, where did that, that – 
that mindset come from? Was that from your father and instilling that tool versus toy mentality to young age? Or how did you come to appreciate God's calling on your life as businessmen, as husbands, and as fathers? Well, this is Jason speaking, and, and a little phrase that we like to use, and we've used it, I think, in a few of our books. So we say leadership is the ability to create an appetite in those who follow you. And we learned that from our dad. Because every morning that we woke up as young kids, our dad was doing one of two things. He was either reading his Bible, sitting on the couch, or excuse me, he was either reading his Bible, sitting on a little green stool in our kitchen, or he was kneeling down in front of our couch in the living room praying. It was one of those two things. Every single morning we saw him doing that. And what was happening was he was beginning to create an appetite in us to do the exact same thing. And obviously you've probably dealt with this scripture uh, is it Proverbs 22, 6? Yeah. Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go, and in the end, he won't depart from it. The Hebrew phrase for train up means to touch the palate of. And what Hebrew wives used to do with their young babies was that they would chew up food really fine, like little carrots or celery or whatever, and chew it up really fine. They'd take a piece of it out of their mouth. They'd put it on the tip of their finger, and then they would touch the palate of their kid with that food, and it would begin to create an appetite in their baby for that particular type of food. That's the phrase that Solomon used, the wisest man who ever lived. That's the phrase he used to show us what real leadership looks like. We are those who create appetites and those who follow us. And that's the greatest calling of a father is to create an appetite in their kids and his kids for the type of man that they want their son to become and our dad did that for us. So when our day in the sun came and HGTV fired us and all those things, we basically did exactly what our dad would have done because he put that appetite in us long ago. Oh my gosh, that is so good, guys. And, and you know, we say my, the contemporary version of that in Daddy Saturday is far more is caught than taught, right? And right. you guys caught that from seeing your father, witnessing that with your own eyes day in and day out. And in essence, he ended up teaching you that, but it was through his physical example of witnessing that over time. And that was bringing that verse from Solomon to life. What would you say to fathers out there who, uh, like many fathers, didn't have a dad like you guys had and, and who didn't have that great example and feel like now they're the first generation trying to do this on their own and, and figure this out with, with no real good example to fall back on? Well, that's a great question because folks that, that don't have a dad growing up like that, they're definitely at a disadvantaged position, but, but they're also, you can reframe it, is that they're at an advantaged position, an advantaged position, because what you really discover, and you'll see this as you work out, like regular physical workout, the more pain you experience, the more powerful you'll be. Growing up without a dad definitely puts you in more of a painful situation, but power comes through pain you then can recognize that you have a heavenly father and that you can communicate with him and interact with him and relate with him on a much deeper level because he is your heavenly father. And that pain that you experienced of not having an earthly dad is going to make you powerful to help other people who don't have an earthly father who need to connect with their heavenly father. And you know, back to David, that was Jason. Now it's David in Psalm 139. Uh, these fathers that that know that they didn't have an earthly father, or at least an absentee earthly father, or even a belligerent earthly father, whatever he may be, they can read Psalm 139 and realize that God, their father, before even their body was formed in their mother's womb, God saw them, he knew them, he put destiny on them, he has a purpose for their lives. 
And sometimes we can look at our circumstances and our environment in which we grow up in and get bitter, or we can choose to get better. God can take a mess and make it a masterpiece and a message and ultimately a ministry. So God actually equips his boys through the pain that we experience in life. So good, guys. And, and you know, if we're going to be just real honest and frank here, I think it's a story that a lot of fathers tell themselves in their heads. It's an excuse that they make and they fall back on that instead of falling back on scripture and God's word. And Psalm 139 is a great example of that, that you can break free from that mindset that just because you didn't have a dad or didn't have a dad who was there or a dad that was a good example doesn't mean that you have to perpetuate that in future generations. And I just saw The Kingdom Men Rising by Dr. Tony Evans. Phenomenal documentary. If you guys haven't seen it or our audience hasn't seen it, highly recommend you watch it. And they made a comment in there, and, and I, I'd love you guys to, to comment on this. He mentioned that you know God claims for fathers to pass down a blessing to three generations, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and that the number one thing that's happening today through, through our culture is that we're either removing the father from the family, therefore separating the opportunity to pass down the blessing, or we're removing the blessing from the father, therefore he's not able to pass that down. So maybe talk to the audience a little bit about th that phrase and that comment and, and what you perceive as how the father is either being removed from the family or the blessings being removed from the father. Yes, and this is David speaking, and we actually spoke at uh, Dr. Evans' Kingdom Men Rising Conference. It was a men's conference, a couple thousand men last weekend. Uh, in Dallas and Dr. Evans. I mean, it was great. We spoke and we got off the stage. It was like, okay, praise the Lord. We got a chance to do that. But now for the real reason we're here, we get to hear Dr. Tony Evans. And man, he was <laughs> absolutely on fire. It was amazing. Uh, but he's right. You know, if you look at Malachi chapter four, it's the very last chapter of the last book of the Old Testament. Just before there was about a 400 year gap of silence before John the Baptist came on the scene in the New Testament. So there's that big gap there. And the last verse of the last book in the Old Testament says, I will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the hearts of the children to the fathers, lest I smite the land with a curse. The nation falls under a curse when fathers are either ignored or fathers ignore their children. So fatherhood is vital. The Lord already shows it that without strong fatherhood and biblical fatherhood, the land suffers a curse. And when we look at the government welfare programs today, when we look at the anxiety, suicide, depression, when we look at the prison system, fatherlessness is at the core of it all. And so we have to ask ourselves, what is the answer? Well, when you get to the book of Matthew, so after you leave Malachi, the next page you turn, is the book of Matthew, chapter 1. And do you know what it starts with? A genealogy of fathers from one generation to the next generation to the next generation to the next. It is so amazing that God just shows us that in Scripture. And, and when you read those fathers in the book of Matthew, you realize, if you're reading some of the Old Testament as well, a lot of these men had some issues. But they broke their generational curses by faith that was looking forward to Christ. And now we break those generational curses, but you know what? We'll have to wait for a second. because That was Jason's son who jumped on his dirt bike. So you want me to go back and start right there on those generational curses? 
I, th- I thought that was a perfect thing that shows that we're dads first. <laughs> yeah, I think you can leave it in. That's um, I love on this podcast when the kids interrupt. That's exactly what we're looking okay, to look for. Well, well, I'll tell you this. So that, that we, we, we break those generational curses. And, and what the devil wants us to do as fathers is he, he wants us. I won't even say fathers. Let me just say this. The culture today wants boys to remain boys longer and little girls to become women faster. It's exactly what we're seeing today. The Lord, and, and, and how do you know you're transitioning from boyhood to manhood? Well, boys consume, men create. Are you doing more consuming, whether it's video games and technology and food and all this other stuff? I mean, obviously we have to consume something, but do I consume more than I create? Because real men create more than they consume. And the ultimate thing that fathers do is we lay our lives down for the next generation. Now, by God's grace, we're not going to have to, at least to this point, we don't have to lay our lives down for our families at the end of a, a gun. You know, we're not dying for our families. However, we have to die to ourselves. We have to die to our laziness and our apathy and our proclivity to procrastinate and say, no, I'm dying to myself. I'm dying to Sometimes there are dreams that you have. You're like, well, I want to accomplish this or this or this. And while those are important things and often motivators to get you moving in the right direction, your ultimate dream should be, I want to be a good husband and father. I want to raise my children up. I want my children, I want to create an appetite in them to serve and love the Lord. And so that means that, yes, you may have to put that alcohol down. Yes, you may have to put away um, some of the things in your life that are leading you astray. You have to be willing to die to yourself so that you can be the father that the Lord tells us, turn your hearts to your children, and the hearts of the children will then reciprocate that and turn back to the father, which is what requires, which is what we have to have for a generational mindset. So good. You guys are on fire. And, and I, we could talk about some of the bigger concepts of fatherhood and fatherlessness for, for hours together. And so great that you were at that conference with Dr. Tony Evans. Man, I would have killed to be a fly in the wall. Next time, let me know. I'll be your bag man and carry your bag for you. Nah, man, you're going to be speaking there. We'll be your bag. <laughs> oh, oh, good. Um, so let's get practical for a couple of minutes because I, I really want to get into a bit of your lives directly and, and get off some of the theory and, and for the dads that are listening out there, learn from the two of you, because I know that you're just incredible fathers and you're building world changers as children who are going to change the next generation. And for the, for the good Lord, you got nine kids between the two of you. So let's talk for a minute about some of the rhythms of your family. What is fathers have you found between the two of you that have really helped um, create those godly children that you're looking to build within your own home? Okay, so this is Jason speaking, and I would first say, hey, we are in this just like so many other fathers right now. I mean, I've got a 17 boy, 15 girl, 13 boy, and a nine uh, girl, and I mean, we're having conversations now that <laughs> make you laugh. You know, my 13-year-old boy comes in the other day, and I tell him about the importance of not thinking of girls in a lustful way. And he's like, wait, you mean I'm not allowed to think that stuff? And I'm like, <laughs> he's like, but it feels so good. I'm like, I understand. So we are in the process of having this. I would say the very first practical thing is to love their mom 
you know, because ultimately that's what we're training up our kids for, especially our boys, is that we're, we're training them up to love their wives because they're going to be married a lot longer than they're going to be in our home. They're going to be in our home maybe, what, 18 years, 19, 20 years. They're going to be married hopefully a lot longer than that. So that's the number one thing. Love their mom, like date nights on Friday nights or I'm in the bedroom, the door is closed, mom and I are talking, don't you come walking in this bedroom. You know, like there are certain things. But the other thing, and it lines up directly with uh, Tony Evans' book, Kingdom Man, which I would tell every, book, every person listening to this podcast, and my top five books for men, Kingdom Man is right up there in the top five. But talking about with our kids, the, the um, importance of authority and staying aligned under authority. So my 17-year-old calls me yesterday, says, hey, I'm on the way to so-and-so's house to go pick him up. And I said, okay, well, did you ask me? He's like, well, no, I didn't think I had to. And I was like, okay, well, now, now I want you to understand this. I've got no problem with you going to pick him up, but you have to ask me so that you can stay properly aligned under authority. Because if you remove yourself from being under authority, then you remove yourself from my protection. And the same is true in our relationship with our Heavenly Father. We have to stay aligned under the authority of God. Otherwise, we remove ourselves from His protection. So I would just give those two practical pieces of advice for the mom and then authority. How about you, Dave? Let me, uh, so I did two practical things in my home. And um, uh, obviously, you know, we could talk about devotional time with the family and all this other stuff. But I recognized in my boys uh, an issue with video games early on. This was several years ago. And I made a decision. This was before all the science has come out. But I made a decision. I was not going to allow that in my house. And I pulled them off the video games. And, and the science is out now that boys, um, they get that dopamine hit, that the hit uh, that we all get in our brain. It's that feel-good chemical the brain releases when you do really good work or when you have a really good conversation with your spouse or maybe even at the, at the office and you accomplish something great. Uh, it's just that real good feeling like I've accomplished something great. Well, the science is showing now that video games give that to boys. They give with them accomplishing nothing. And so it's really cheating them. It's, it's, it's shortcutting their progress uh, in their maturity as young men. So practically, I got that out of my house. Uh, second, for my daughters, uh, I recognized early that um, social media that was uh, was pretty dangerous, especially for young developing girls. And and I just didn't like the way that I saw it going. So I, I had my teenage daughters and I, they're not on social media, um, but it was a kind of a hard discussion to have. Well, the science has come out that oxytocin, which is the feel good chemical also, you know, the ladies release a lot more oxytocin than dopamine. Then on the flip side, boys release more dopamine than oxytocin. Anyway, but this feel good chemical in a girl's brain is at its highest on her wedding day. Well, the science is showing now that oxytocin levels are at all-time highs in girls when they look at how many likes they have on Instagram or how many views they have on a video. That's just not good. That is shortchanging the oxytocin that's supposed to be released with real relationship. And so I made a decision to do that, and it's been hard as a dad, but it's forced me to actually protect my kids, but then to really go after their heart and to be intentional about the things that we do around the house. And then it requires more time of me because I mean, social media and video games can buy up a lot of time for your kids for you to go out and be lazy or procrastinate or whatever, which I'm, I'm speaking to myself. Uh, but getting rid of that, I got to replace it with something. 
So it's made me much more intentional as a dad. So those are just two simple practical things we've done in the last few years. Well, between the two of you and those four things that you gave, I mean, like mind blown, our audience has to be just going crazy over those because and we can unpack all of those. So if I can just summarize it a little bit, I think I heard a couple of really important things. One is that as fathers, it's so important for us to model what what the father, the heavenly father, God is like to us, to our children. And in doing so, we provide that example for them. And that's one of the only places they're going to get it on this earth is through their father. And so that's really critical. The second thing I heard you say is that there are going to be points in your life as a father, if you're doing this thing right, where you're going to have to have some uncomfortable conversations with your kids. And the only way you can be comfortable in those uncomfortable conversations is if you've aligned yourself with authority and put yourself in that position before to be able to have that conversation. And again, it goes back to modeling, right? Because if you're not modeling it in the right way for your kids, it's really hard to have the conversation with them about it too. And then I, I think I go back to scripture and it reminds me of Luke eleven eleven, which says, fathers, if your kid asks for a fish, are you going to give them a snake? Or if they ask for an egg, are you going to give them a scorpion? So if you're going to give, um, even though those things are evil, are you going to give good gifts to your children? How much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask them? And I think that's exactly what you guys are doing is really acting out that scripture. And even though your kids want something that inherently seems like it's okay, it's really like giving them something that could be evil if it's, it's not aligned right. That's exactly right. And this is David. One more thing I did want to say was when we're talking, your first point, how you summarized it so well, you said about us modeling the Father in heaven uh, for our kids. And when they, when they, as they mature in their walk with the Lord and as they mature in life and then hopefully choose the Lord and place their faith in him, a lot of that rests on how did they relate to us. And one of the lessons I learned with my now, he's my nine-year-old. I have 19, 17 15, 14, and my nine-year-old son, I recognized that I spoke to him in a way when, you know, over the last few years that where I could show my anger uh, and, and I recognized what anger was doing to him. It was making him fearful. It was making him, um, he was not confident. And, and I was, I, I, my wife spoke to me and she's like, look, you bark at him too much, you know? And, and so I'm being very open here. Uh, but so I, man, the Lord really convicted me and, and I went to him and I repented and I asked him to forgive me and I told him that I loved him. And, and uh, anyway, uh, I began to make an adjustment in my attitude and, and, and began to pray every day. And still, even to this day, I pray every day, Lord Jesus, change me. If whatever makes me angry, there's something deep inside that, that you know, kind of trips my wire. Lord, remove the wire. Help me to just trust you in all things, whether it's being late for church or whether I'm not making his bed or whatever it might be. Um, and, uh, help me to still keep the standards, but not to rule in anger and intimidation and to bring a spirit of fear. Well, I've been praying that and I have seen a supernatural change in my nine-year-old, uh, just with his confidence and where he, he can now approach me and when he speaks to me now, like if he's going to ask for something, he asks with so much more confidence. And I, and I just, when you said that about our love and the way that we show, uh, the way that we father our kids directly relates to how they're going to see the heavenly father. And so I'm hoping and praying that he sees the heavenly father as much more of a gentle, loving father with standards and not a mean barking dad like I used to be. 
Oh man, that that is so good. And you don't have no idea how deeply that hits me. And it's something that I've been very transparent about in my walk as a father and as a Christian as well, and literally gone through the exact same thing in the exact same process. So one, have confidence you're not alone in that because I am the exact same and I can I can say that I've seen the same benefit and God has removed that from my life, but it is a daily struggle. I think it's a lot of struggle. It's a struggle for a lot of dads. And it all comes back to this concept of understanding what those triggers are, right? And in doing so, you're able to prevent that wire from being tripped, as you mentioned. But I think that something else that you, you, you hit on, but that I just want to bring to light for the listeners and I think is so critical is, yeah, you made a mistake as a dad. You're not human. There's only one perfect person that's perfect, and that's Jesus Christ. And so if that's truly the case, you're going to make mistakes as a dad. But the important thing is you went and you showed that to your child. You under, helped them understand how to ask for forgiveness and to seek forgiveness and to move forward and change together. And then where you also sought the change from, knowing you couldn't change yourself, only God could change your heart and remove the anger so that ultimately it would change your relationship. So powerful, guys. Praise God, man. Learned a lot. (laughs) Well, it's a constant battle. We're all learning. So in the end of our time here together, I just got two more questions for you. Um, I'd love to have each of you answer this one independently. It's a question I ask all of the guests on this podcast. And that is, um, let's say you had a God-sized boat, and we're talking like a yacht, too big for something you'd ride around on any of the lakes, Lake Norman outside of Charlotte. We're talking ocean boat here. What would you name your boat? Oh, man. Holy cow. What would you ask me that for? That's a, <laughs> I never even thought of that. that. That has never entered my mind, not once. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. I'd probably do my wife's nickname. This is Jason Tidbit. Oh, love it. That's great. A little cheesy, but yeah, whatever. Yeah, I, I probably Annie Grace, because that's what I call, I call Lori that. So I would, I would probably do the same. And I, that's a shame that I, we're identical twins and I just copied my brother, but whatever. <laughs> well, if you read your bios, that's, that's what it sounds like all of you do all the time anyways, is just copy each other and try and one up each other. So right. I love that, the healthy battle between the two of you. Great names. Um, Tidbit reminds me of that country song, Up, Down, Up, Down. I think it could be a, that, that could be a new country song. Maybe Luke Bryan could produce that one. Right. Awesome, guys. Well, in our closing minutes, would love just to have you um, real quickly tell everybody about your latest book. And in doing so, maybe um, give them some something out of the book that would be at one point that you could just leave them with. So Bold and Broken uh, just came out uh, this year, your latest book of four. So tell us a little bit about that. And then what can you leave our audience with regarding Bold and Broken? Well, in the book of Ezekiel, this is Jason speaking. In the book of Ezekiel, there's a verse in there that says where God is speaking. And it says, behold, I look for a man who was willing to stand in the gap, but I found none. And there's also a prayer that Jesus teaches us to pray. He says, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so when we get that picture on earth as it is in heaven, we see a gap between the two. And it makes us think about that Ezekiel passage where God is looking for someone to stand in the gap. And so we wrote this book, Bold and Broken, Becoming the Bridge Between Heaven and Earth, where we talk to folks about the power of standing in the gap. And the the only way that a person would stand in the gap on behalf of your family, on behalf of your wife, on behalf of your kids, on behalf of your community, 
on behalf of this nation, the only way that you would do that is to have boldness, is to have a spirit of boldness. But there are ditches on both sides of that road because boldness apart from brokenness makes you a bully. But on the other side, brokenness apart from boldness makes you a bystander. This is where a lot of Christians find themselves today is they, they want to stand up. They want to say what's right. They want to do what's right. But they feel, they feel like you know, they, they don't want to be a bully. And so therefore, they become a bystander on the other side where they're broken over their sins, where they're, they're submitted to God. That's what we mean by brokenness. Brokenness doesn't mean you're out of the game. It actually means that you're equipped and powerful for the game. Our dad used to always say that only the horses broken by their master are fit to pull the king's chariot. The rest are left to pasture. And so we talk to people in this book, we talk to folks about standing boldly to do and say what's right, but doing it on a foundation of brokenness, which is submission to God. And when you do that, you become the bridge that connects God to the people in whom he's disconnected from. Amazing. Guys, go out and get your copy of Bold and Broken. And I'd also say, and you guys mentioned this to me, and, and I listened to the audio book, and I would encourage any father out there listening also, go back and get the other books that the Benham Brothers have written, uh, Whatever the Cost and Living Among Lions. But my favorite of all the books you guys have written is actually Miracle in Shreveport. And I think for any father out there um, that wants to hear an incredible story on baseball, fatherhood, even a little bit about business and a journey of faith, uh, just an incredible story. And you'll get to know a lot more about the Benham Brothers if you buy or listen to that book. It's a great audio book, by the way. So make sure you pick that up. Guys, thanks so much for being on the show. And I just want to tell you, you know, this, this will tell you about the type of people that David and Jason Benham are. I, I had always admired them, and I had the chance to meet them in the Charlotte Admirals Club. So we're traveling for business. And I walked up, introduced myself. We talked for a few minutes. And before I could even think twice, they had to go catch their flight. But instead of just running off, they laid their hands on me and prayed for me right there, standing up in the middle of the Admirals Club Lounge in Charlotte. And that is a memory burn and a moment that I will never forget. And it, you talk about the confidence, uh, being able to move forward into your calling. Uh, you guys did that for me, and, and I am so eternally grateful for that. So thank you for being on the show, but more, important, more importantly, being great fathers and investing in me in ways that um, you can't even imagine. So thank you, guys. Well, thank you, man. We really appreciate your ministry and yeah, you man. having us on. Totally. You bet. Well, with that being said, remember, have a great Daddy Saturday. Be intentional, be engaged, and raise good kids that become great adults. Until next time, have a great Daddy Saturday. <laughs>